Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jensen. Today I have with me Luke Dupron. He is the host of the Live Great Lifestyle Podcast, as well as a personal uh, trainer, a fitness coach, and uh, just a just a, a lifestyle guru. So thanks for thanks for joining me, Luke. Yeah, yeah, man. Happy to be here. Always always down to jam and uh, talk health and fitness. So yeah, and just for the listeners, this is actually the second time that we're recording this because. <laughs> Uh, our last recording was was bad, so it's good. It's good to to have an interview with somebody that we've already talked and we had about a half hour conversation before we even started this podcast. So this will be good. Yeah, now we're just shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Luke, uh, tell tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background, and then let's let's get into some some healthy stuff. Uh, yeah, so you know, I'll make this quick. Obviously, the, the whole point of coming on these shows is to deliver value for people and actually help them. Um, but in short, went to school, realized I hated studying business, switched degrees and got a kinesiology degree, um, began personal training you know, a decade ago, uh, transitioned into working in a rehab facility after I hurt my back, which was a really transformative uh, place to be because I got to work with high-level athletes uh, at the Olympic level. Uh, I got to work with people who are really injured and it really shifted my perspective of exercise. Um, and then fully that has transitioned to where realizing the best way to really help people outside of those in-person intensives where I was dealing with more biomechanics stuff was to become more of the lifestyle focused coach and actually was me transitioning my business online. So now at this point, it's helping people step into a health and fitness lifestyle. Most people, they are looking to like lose some weight, but it's about creating lasting lifestyle change and like true transformation. So we're going from who you were to who you're about to be. Nice. So one of the things that I run into a lot with some of my clients and some of the people that I run around with is we want to have this balanced life of being excellent in every area. Yeah. But oftentimes you typically will lean to strengths in one area versus not so strong in another area. And one of the things that that I see fairly frequently is somebody may be slaying it and killing it in business but their health is not so great. Like w when you look at those types of scenarios, how often are people coming to you in which they're wanting to kind of balance that out, but struggling to find the time or the resources to do, not necessarily the resources because they've got the resources, but the time to really kind of fit that into their schedule. Yeah. So I actually do work with like a majority of the people I work with happen to be entrepreneurs. So they're in that like, extreme world truthfully um yeah so do, and, do you see do you see the same thing like do you see that same definitely okay yeah and, and you know what's funny is you'll find guys who are you know they've made the leap to where like they are health and fitness focused and then um again it becomes like a high level execution of it to where it can almost feel i think overwhelming and what I want to convey to people listening to this is it doesn't have to be this all consuming thing. Like when you start to realize like health is more of like a fundamental principle, right? Like being fit and healthy is more of a default state. So it doesn't really require like 
overachievement to get there, right? Like you don't have to be Michael Jordan to be healthy and fit. Like it should be more of your, <laughs> your default place and your starting point. You do have to obviously, if you're not there yet, you got to create some change and create, again, resources of time. Um, but less can be more. But yeah, man, there is. There's a lot of this like, again, balance. I see it with like the entrepreneurs where like guys will want to come in and like sprint real hard on their fitness. And it's like, cool, man, you did some 21 day, you know, BS or you worked really hard for 30 days. But like that's far less impressive than the guy who actually works out three times a week for three months versus the person that killed it for 30 days. So when you say fit or health is kind of the default state, is that kind of naturally where, like, when you think about it from a physical standpoint, are our bodies naturally, they want to be in this healthy state and just because of overconsumption and lack of movement, we kind of force, force ourselves into being obese? Like, is yeah. that what you're saying there? Totally. And here's, I mean, okay. here's a, I was just listening to a TED talk today where they were talking about um, 30 minutes of brisk walking three times a week has the same effect as Zoloft for depression symptoms. Oh, I believe that. Dude, right. Like you, you've sold me on that hook, line and sinker. I don't even need the data to back it up. Right now. Here's what's crazy about that. So again, when I like coach and the way I uh, try to install different things in people's lives, we have different buckets and I would actually consider movement its own bucket and it's separate than like what we would call exercise or the resistance training movement doesn't necessarily actually need to be thought of as exercise. It could be things that are fun, right? So when you think of going out for a walk, just a brisk walk three times a week for 30 minutes can get rid of this depressive symptoms. To me, again, there's nothing radical about walking briskly three times a week for 30 minutes. That is a more default state. That's like a natural, um, your body has this innate expectation for lots of low level movement. You got to recognize sitting in front of your computer, even doing what we're doing now, as awesome as this is, because I'm getting to connect with you. This is incongruent with what my body's natural like instincts and, and desire would be. You know, I have an artificial light. I'm inside. I'm not out in nature. Like, so there's an incongruency, but you realize, shit, it doesn't take a ton to even like pull you back from that incongruency. Just three 30 minute walks a week. And all of a sudden you don't have this uh, depressive symptoms. So like that depression to me is not a natural state right? Like that's right. a bad place to be. So we're just trying to get back and kind of recreate. And it's not like we're trying to become a hunter gatherer again, and we're going to be outside for 10 hours, but just recognizing like, I cannot be at my desk for 12 hours a day and think I'm going to be healthy, fit, happy, productive, and showing up at my greatest potential. You absolutely will not. So what, what's the advice that you give to high level entrepreneurs that that's, the lifestyle that they've designed, right? I'm running this super successful business or I'm trying to get this startup up off the ground and it requires me, or at least in their mind, it requires them to be in front of their computer 12 hours a day. What are some of the things that you tell them, hey, let's shift some things and you know, do this instead? What, what are some of those tips that you give them? So, I mean, there's kind of two, two ways of looking at this. The first is like the high level of, you have to recognize, and this is a leap of faith, and, but you can talk to everybody who's done it. There's, I always joke, and I'm like, there's a reason everybody who gets into fitness is like so obnoxious and annoying about it, and they like post all their shit and their photos of them working out and their food and blah, blah, blah. Like They never shut up about it, right? We all, and it's because they feel really good. It's like they're getting this huge value in return that they just like got to go like spread the word. So until you experience that, you kind of got to go on faith there and take you know somebody's word that like, you're going to feel and perform better 
when you are showing up more optimally in your body, period. Right. And we, like, we can all appreciate this when we're sick, right? Like, man, yeah. if I want to, I want to feel better because I would get more done or if you haven't slept enough. So if you take that thought from the big high level of, I have to take care of me to show up more fully, that will allow you to like step into this a little bit. But then when we get down to the granular of like, okay, well, how do I implement that? Because I do have all of these things to do. Here's the easy one for me is that I tell clients is if you are in like the thralls of building a business or whatever it is, or like those projects, there are going to be some days to where like literally like, Hey, this pitch deck has to be like done because we're pitching tomorrow and you're going to stay up till four and you didn't get your workout. Like that's going to happen. But then there's going to be other days where the task is going to spill over to tomorrow either way, right? Like you're not going to finish this. So you wrapping up 30 to 45 minutes earlier and then doing some self-care is going to buy you back productivity the next day. So it's really easy to just say like, oh, I'm just going to keep pushing at this, keep pushing at this through like the projects. But unless there's that true deadline, like bump it for 30 to 45 minutes and you will buy back productivity in both like I think your energy, your brain, like how you're thinking. Um, and, and once again, you do that enough times and you start to get some feedback on that. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I get this. I get why I do this. Same thing with food, right? Like you got to make a food choice. Like you're going to eat either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so your choice, like I see it all the time. We have a uh, Whole Foods, which has a hot bar here. Um, you know, so you can go in and like just buy like a, like a, you know, like cafe style food right across the street. There's a Jack in the box. And it's like, it's going to take you the same amount of time. Yes. Whole food obviously costs more, but like you got to pick something either way. (laughs) Right. You're going to eat. So just a little bit better choice. I mean, you said some things in there that like, I, I know that I can personally attest to. So we're just coming out of kind of lockdown from being COVID-19. Right. So here where I live in Utah, the gyms have opened back up and there was about a, maybe a six week period of time in which the gyms were shut down. And, and I'm not really set up at home to like, I don't have a bunch of free weights and and things like that. And my MO is I love to go to the gym. In fact, when I, when I first started going to the gym, probably three years ago, four years ago, and just focused on lifting, I was in and out in 45 minutes, like, because I just, I'm an introvert. I put my headphones in. I went and I lifted and then I left. Over time, I've made friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this morning, I just realized, dude, I was at the gym for two hours. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have my, to be that. <laughs> my workout was the same, but my warm-up was a little bit longer. Yeah. I did a little bit of sauna sitting afterwards to shoot the shiz with some yeah. buddies. But I attest to what you say, like you just, you feel better. It has consumed a little bit more of my time. I could totally be that dude that would be annoying uh, with food and, and, and workouts and things like that. Because physically, like I do feel bad. My whole point of this story is when we were locked down, I, fo- I focus on lifting weights. That's, that's what I do. But when we were locked down, I had to focus on other things. So I had to do some body weight exercises which for me got super boring, super fast. And then I, uh, I focused on walking more every day, like getting so many steps a day and some more hit cardio and, and mountain biking and things like that. Mountain biking, I love, but those other things were, they didn't, for me, they didn't do what I had experienced, you know, 
going to the gym and maybe, maybe it wasn't the endorphins. Maybe it was just hanging out with my buddies. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, that's funny. Well, one thing I tell people too is so particularly if you are like a, a very busy person, you should at least have the capacity to have a level of a home gym. So the majority of clients I work with that like they're going to build some level of a home gym. They don't use it all the okay. time, but it's there. So personally me, I mean, I, I use myself as an example because I think people have a vision of me as, oh, you're a fitness person. Like you live, breathe and eat this stuff. And it's like, yeah, professionally, but personally it's like, it's just a part of my life. I don't obsess about exercise or nutrition. Like I just, it's just part of getting me through this journey. So I personally haven't been to a traditional gym in over probably three or four years. I work out on my deck. Now I have a little bit more equipment than the average person would, but you really don't need much. So again, when it comes down to like actual time and efficiency standpoint, well, I can get a workout in here in California. By the time I would get to the gym, do the workout, come back, like my drive time could be close to the amount of time I could just come out here and, and hit my workout. Yeah. Right? So like setting up a home gym, like for me, like I don't want to go to the gym because like I want to, like I put on the most boring freaking music and it's like meditation for me and I want to like break myself down and it's like an anti-anxiety, antidepressant hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is. And uh, so you don't actually even have to go to the gym. Now, again, you would have to invest in some equipment, Sure, um, but there, there is nothing I would go do at a gym or have anybody I work with go to a gym to have that they really can't do at their house unless your goal is to like truly power lift and you need a squat rack. Like, other than that, like the rest of it becomes playful stuff, right? Like battle ropes and tires, the flip and like, that'd be kind of fun. I miss some of that stuff. Um, and then full transparency, I do go to a jujitsu gym. So like I do see some of that camaraderie in that, um, but you actually don't have to go to a gym. You just got to acquire a little bit of equipment. That's an interesting concept. I know that coming back from this COVID deal, I wish I would have had a gym. In fact, my, my neighbor, <laughs> he saw this deal coming like two weeks in advance and he went and fully got everything he could get for a, for a home gym. Like he could probably, I asked him, I'm like, Hey dude, when are you going to start selling memberships? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I have, so I have a set of 90 pound power block dumbbells. So uh -huh. it's an adjustable dumbbell that goes up to like 90 pounds. They're eight years old. I've had them forever. And uh, I used to use them when I did the in-person training, personal training. And then of course I use them. And, uh, they were going on sale on eBay for like $200 above their retail price, which is, they're like an $800 item. So people right, were selling their down. They were. Yeah. Cause oh. guys are like scratching for like, I don't have any, you know, weights. And it's like, yeah. so I'm like, I'm not selling them cause I'm using them of course. Sure. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, uh, a home gym's a smart tool. doesn't have to mean every workout, but to have the capacity that like, you know, this was the greatest litmus test of like, well, what if there's a, uh, what if there's a zombie apocalypse? Can you work out? Like, you know, here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now, if there's another zombie apocalypse, I'm going to be bored again. And I'm going to be mad that actually, you know what? I probably should just invest in a home gym between now and then, but yeah, it doesn't that, have to be your everyday gym, right? Like it's just there <laughs> if, if you're time strapped. Yeah. But let's kind of talk about, so you talked about movement, right? Getting people to move a little bit more. When it comes to actual, the bucket that you would call exercise, I think you referenced it uh, previously, the bucket, the exercise bucket, what do you tell people to focus on? So this is where, you know, obviously there's optimal and like pragmatic, I guess, right? So like, what are you willing to do? 
But if we were going to go for the optimal side, when we're talking like body composition, which is what most people are after if they start working with me, right? Like, hey, I need to lose 20 or 30 pounds, whatever. Resistance training is going to be your shortest path to success. So again, lifting weights. Now, again, like could those, like that's a relative term, right? But focusing on actually using resistance training, using progressive overload, where we take um, a few specific exercises and we're going to get strong on them over time. And really a big piece of this, what you're trying to do, even if you're trying to lose weight is while you're in a calorie deficit, the goal is to maintain as much muscle fiber while you actually lose weight. And you do that through good quality resistance training. You might even build some muscle in the beginning if you're, if you're a novice. So at the end of this, say you lose 20 pounds, say you lose 50 pounds, that you actually visually look better instead of just looking like a smaller version of yourself or what people would say is skinny fat. Right. If you've heard the term. So I, yeah, you want to, you want to yeah. focus on resistance training would be your um, most efficient path. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I think when you look in society and when people talk about losing weight, oftentimes people think that heavy cardio is the fastest way to weight loss. Where I believe what you just said, simply because I went through it, that resistance training is actually the fastest way to not only weight loss, but, but body composition, right? So yeah, and it's, it's, can it's you talk to people? I'm sorry, say that again. I said it would really be more about the body composition. So talk to us the difference between resistance training and cardio when it comes to just, just weight loss. So is there one that's better than the other in your opinion? Or what are your thoughts around that? So yes and no. Meaning like if you were to just go do cardio, right? If you just go out and jog, you will, you're going to burn calories and you're going to lose weight. But again, there's, I find an inefficiency at some point, like if you go jog, you'll get pretty efficient at it pretty quickly to where it's just not as demanding on um, the, the calorie load uh, or the calorie requirements, right? Like, like there's a lot of people that are like overweight that just can finish a marathon, right? Like they can just keep going further. Your body will allow you to keep going further. So yeah, of course there's a caloric demand. I would challenge people to do it from something that's way more enjoyable. can't tell you how many people they're like, well, I really hate running on a treadmill. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that then? You could go, if you're in Utah, go hike a trail go ride the mountain bike. For me, doing jujitsu, go do salsa lessons, like do something that's fun to create a caloric demand, but then to optimize your body composition, how you actually look, resistance training is where you want to lean into. Plus, it's going to have a caloric burn as well. So you got you to do, I think, both, or you, you want to create the caloric deficit more from the nutritional side. Okay. Um, you could say, you can call it from the cardio side, but I would never, never push anybody into like, hey, you need to go like hit that treadmill. Like you don't have to do that like movement, go for a walk, right? Like break the cycle of sitting on your ass all day at work, you know, which is hard. Like that is a challenge, but I'm telling you, like if you get committed to this, it could be something as simple as like every day you go to work. I've had clients do this because they have like a true desk job. Like I don't, I'm standing right now, but they will literally, when they get to work, they go up the stairs instead of the elevator and then they come right back down and then they go back up. Like they did double stairs every time they take the stairs, like a so uh, psychopath, they go up and down like two or three times, and on their break they go do that. Like they break the cycle and realize there's an incongruency of just sitting all day. That makes sense. It goes back to that saying that you can never out exercise a bad diet, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when you when you talk about nutrition, talk to us about these fad diets. What are your, what are your thoughts around fad diets versus just 
caloric balance with, with macronutrients. Okay. So every diet, the reason that you lose weight, whether it's keto, paleo, vegan, high carb, low carb, you do lose weight because you are in a caloric deficit. That's it. Now, is there a way of eating that will help you create that deficit that you can keep up in the long haul? Well, then that should work for you. The problem is the marketing and the fitness industry, and I don't know how much I'm allowed to swear on this show, but it's just absolute complete shit. I'll beep it out. (laughs) All right. I've already slipped a few times. Sorry. So the problem with the marketing around fad diets is you are presented a diet as if it is a key and a solution to losing weight under some miraculous circumstance. So keto creates a, a caloric deficit by removing an entire macronutrient. Now it does put you into a different energy burning system, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is if you're in a caloric deficit, you're going to lose the weight. Same thing with low carb, high carb. Like there's studies that show there's really no difference in total fat loss from a high carb and a low carb diet. So it really comes down to a little bit of personal preference of what you can maintain. Personally, me, if I'm going to try to lose some body fat, which right now I'm actually in a, I'm trying to gain a little weight. Well, I'm going to eat a lot more carbohydrate. So when I want to lose weight, I'm actually going to pull some carb. I'm going to, I'm going to go into a lower carb diet. Why? It's easier for me to maintain. I feel better. I sleep better, but there's nothing magical about it. So you really have to ignore the marketing and understand the only reason that you're going to lose weight is if you're in a caloric deficit, what diet is going to allow you to get there? Now, again, different people have different, I think, um, responses more psychologically. Me, carbohydrate, like I'm really going to struggle to be on a high carb diet and mind my calories because I just want more of them. (laughs) I just, like, I want to eat more cereal (laughs) once I have cereal. I have a lot, like, I don't have a little cereal when I have cereal. I have a lot. (laughs) So you're the, you're the guy that, uh, it's the milk and the, the cereal dilemma. Oh, I've got a little bit more cereal. So I need to add some milk. Oh, now I got more milk and I need to add some more cereal and it never ends. hundred percent. And I think this is like important to hear from somebody like me, who's actually quote unquote, in this industry. And I think, you know, I have a level of mastery in in this area, right? Like this is, I hate to say like, it's kind of easy for me because I've been doing it for for a long time and I do know myself, but for people who are not, who have been struggling, um, I think they look at people in the fitness industry and it's like, oh, they're all consumed. Like, uh, it's it's their whole life. All they do is like measure and weigh their food. It's like, I don't measure anything. You don't have to measure things. You got to find like a path that's going to get you there. But I'm in the same boat, man. If I have cereal, I could eat the whole box of cereal every time in a sitting, I'll smash it. So it's like I control the environment. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I've had another, I have another guy on my podcast who lost 150 pounds on keto. Okay. He's a personal friend of mine. Was keto the magic tool? It wasn't a magic tool. And he's been overweight and obese his whole life, like close to 400 pound guy. So why did keto work for him? It wasn't keto. It was the fact that he's at a park with his kid who's one and he goes to chase him. And he has like a heart murmur and it freaked him out. And he thought about the fact that my, I'm not going to be here for my kid. Like he got this deep core driver that I guarantee you, he could have went vegan. He could have went, he could have counted his calories. It wouldn't have mattered what he did. He was just dedicated to applying that at that time because he had this really deep core motivation. So it's more of a psychological. So from a physiological standpoint in like most human beings, it doesn't matter the the diet versus vegan versus keto versus paleo. None of that matters. It's really just simple math. Calorie intake versus calorie 
yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, burn. so, you know, and like I would say like a vegan diet is not as optimal as like a mixed diet because it just takes more work to acquire all the amino acids, like can it be done with supplementation? And again, uh, uh, asterisk here, I'm not a nutritionist, but like that would take more work to like set that up correctly. Um, you know, obviously there's an advantage to eating more whole foods um, from a nutritionist standpoint. But yeah, at the end of the day, your weight loss is going to be dictated or your weight gain by total calories. So I always, here's how I always say it. <laughs> calories count, but you don't always have to count them. So doesn't mean you got to like track and weigh everything. I don't with most of my clients. Like you can use some simple portion control. I also personally with most of my clients and myself recognize that how much you eat controls your weight, but what you eat often controls how much you eat. All right. Okay. Explain that. I think that that's an interesting concept because for me, I know for me personally, when I'm trying to go into a deficit, I just do better if I'm either one meal prepping or two counting calories, just so I know where I'm at. Because yeah. if I don't, I just, I get bored and I, I graze like a cow. <laughs> Well, and you're also a financial guy. So numbers for you are, are a friend. I'm like, I feel like I'm almost dyslexic with math. So anytime I have to like calculate and track like that, this sounds, that feels tedious and heavy to me. So again, now we're talking, yeah, that's a good point. We're talking like the, great point. The, the psychology side of things. So there is again, to be that personal preference, but this idea that what you eat controls how much you eat at the end of the day, I do know, I don't know a ton of people that are having lots of success by eating lots of processed foods. Now, can you eat processed foods and still maintain a caloric deficit if you want to lose weight or go into a caloric balance? Yeah, and, and the reason is because those foods happen to be hyperpalatable, so they're very easy to overeat on, and they're often calorically dense. So again, like Ben and Jerry's, well, I'll eat personally. When I get Ben and Jerry's every once in a while, and my once in a while is like, you know, every couple months, I might have a Ben and Jerry. I eat the whole container, no question. It's 1,200 calories in one sitting, right? Like there's no yeah. turning that into. So that was a small amount of food, but a, a big amount of calories versus say you had something like what my normal diet would look like, say some, you know, grass fed steak with asparagus and some like roasted tomatoes that has way more fiber. It's way more filling. It's going to keep me full longer and it doesn't have as many calories. So I use this as an example. If we had a plate of salmon, asparagus, or pick, pick whatever, like protein that you enjoy that you like really like and any vegetable that you really like. So for me, I'm going to say like, say I have like salmon and asparagus, but we also have French fries and it's a giant plate of this and we eat till we're full. We're at this restaurant, me and you are hanging out, we're having fun. And as we're waiting for the bill to happen, we're both completely stuffed. There's leftover salmon, there's leftover asparagus, and there's leftover French fries. What do we end up nibbling on? French fries. Uh, French fries. Everybody. Yeah. And why? Well, it's because the processing, the, the act of processing food makes things hyper palatable to where it's just hijacking your satiety hormones as well as the senses in your mouth. So there's an article called The Extraordinary Science of Addictive Junk Food. It's kind of like required reading for everybody I work with. And it just highlights this to where certain foods um, have properties that make them very hard to not overconsume. So an example of this, and this is so, this is probably one of the most important things I think I can share with people who struggle with this because they take the failure on as themselves. Like, ah, oh, I suck. I have no self-control. Like I can't, I said I wasn't going to eat all that and I did. And, I, and they get emotionally beat down and then they quit. 
And it's like, I don't emotionally beat myself down when I overconsume cereal because I understand how it's manufactured to be so incredible, incredibly easy not to do that, or it's incredibly hard not to do that. And so I'll just give one example, things like a nacho cheese Dorito. So they found that first off, you'll eat more of a triangle than a square. They have the amount of, uh, of the amount of pressure that your teeth need to elicit to break the chip and they measure it on what's called the bliss curve. Okay. Bliss is like an orgasm basically. So if it was too hard, you actually won't, and it was too much force on your teeth. You won't eat as much. If it's too soft, you won't eat as much. There's things called flavor saturation on your taste buds. So when you eat, say, asparagus or a ro- even a rosemary flavored chip, that rosemary would go into a receptor on your taste bud and it satisfies it. And you're like, okay, I've, I'm like, uh, I'm good there. With a chip like nacho cheese Dorito, there's a reason it's not cheddar cheese Doritos. It's nacho cheese and it has like four different flavors. And that stops what's called flavor saturation from happening because your taste buds are constantly trying to figure out what exactly is this flavor and you'll reach for another one. So if you don't have that understanding, you're somebody who like, I've been really trying and then like, oh my God, I just blew it. And like, they get so upset with themselves. And I see this all the time where it's like, oh, I overconsumed. And you got to have a little forgiveness. And once you understand that, like you're fighting a monster of, of food processing, I think it's far easier to have a little bit more self-forgiveness so you'll stay in the game long enough to see the results. So I say all that long-winded story to say processed foods in moderation are very challenging and they're a big piece of where the caloric surplus comes from. Yeah, the study that you've referenced, I've actually looked at before. And my understanding is, I mean, if you kind of think about it this way, there's a lot of money made from these food manufacturers for you to consume exorbitant amounts of their food, taking Doritos, for example, right? They have scientifically manufactured it in such a way that you will consume lots and lots and lots of it. Why? So that they, you'll buy more and more of it and they make a larger and larger profit. Like it's, and it's, it's business. Let's, Let's be honest. There you go. It's business. And it's not this like maniacal, like evil plot to like, oh, let's make America fat and unhealthy. They're just making stuff that we like better, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm, addict, like I'm addicted to my phone, right? Like how many of us are like tied to our phone? And I'm not mad at Apple that they've made this phone so good that like, I'm like, I wish they made it glitch and not work real well so I don't constantly check it, right? Like these, they just made these foods so that we like them so much. Um, and again, they're, they are hijacking our physiology. But once you understand that, you can kind of step back and again, be like, okay, it's not so much me. Like, like it's not my control issue. And now you can start taking action. And so for me, it's like, well, now you can start to understand, I got to control the environment. I can't have that in the house because I'll eat it all. Yeah. And it's like, so I don't, I don't, ha- I just, I do not have any of those foods. I call them fail point foods. Like what are your personal fail point foods? Like I, you know, I was talking with a friend slash mentor the other day and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like bread. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Cause I could eat like a loaf of bread. And so for him, he can have bread in the house in moderation. I can't. Right? Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't ever eat bread, but I might go to like a local bakery and like have a piece. Cause I know if I have in the house, some cinnamon raisin bread, I look at that toaster and that toaster's got four slots and I think, well, I don't want there to be a lonely slot, you know, and I fill it up. So it's, it's really just setting up that environment to, um, help you be successful, taking a long winded approach at this and understanding like weight is going to come off slow and you actually want it to. The faster you lose weight, the more muscle that you're going to actually lose with it. You won't actually look as good. So you got to like get rid of the shiny object syndrome, 
truly step into this as a lifestyle. Um, and you can't look for like the quick fix because it doesn't exist. Isn't it also, hasn't there been studies that have shown that the faster the weight comes off, the easier it is to, to gain it back? Um, yeah. And I don't know if there's like a physiological reason for that outside of, I think it's probably more psych- psychological in that you are crash dieting. So you're not really like fully committed to like, again, behavior change. Yeah. Um, yeah. You did something for two weeks, like, or you did something that was so unreasonable that you can't maintain it. So you did a uh, celery juice diet for two weeks. Well, yeah, you're eating 800 calories. You're going to lose a lot of weight, but at some point you're going to have to bring your calories back in. So you see this a lot, I think, in the online space where, cool, like somebody can sell you this, you know, BS cleanse. They'll make you lose 10 pounds quickly. They get their little testimonial, but then they don't talk to you about the fact that you're now 20 pounds heavier, you know, yeah. two months later. Hey, so going back to the, the palate, right? Do you find it helpful for people when they're just starting? Let's say that their current behavior is eating a lot of processed foods. Do you find it helpful for them to quote unquote cleanse the palate? However, that, however you want to define that to kind of get the, the sugar and the, the craving for, let's say cookies or Doritos or, or whatever the processed food kind of out of your system do you find that that's helpful or is it just a matter of, Hey, you've just got to make this mental shift. And the more that you eat healthy food, the more your, your palate will, will desire it. If you will. I think it's kind of personal dependent. So I used to kind of be a fan of that, but then I'll be honest. I saw a lot of people who are like not all or nothing personalities to where it's like, that just doesn't lead to success for them. But you're right, man. Like you have to have an understanding you know, really good organic strawberries. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here in California where we have like all these amazing farmers markets and I can get local produce. And, you know, like we get some fruit that I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Cause it's not just sweet. Like it has like a flavor where I'm like, damn, this is what a strawberry tastes like. And until you get out Skittles, a strawberry has no chance of being sweet. Right. So there is some truth in this to where until there's like, it's like a scale until it tips one way to where you've removed enough of the processed food. Some of these other foods that maybe you don't enjoy, they just don't have a chance. But I promise anybody listening to this, this is probably one of the most consistent things of people that I've worked with. Like when I think of what are the results, almost everybody has this happen to where they're like, they lose the flavor for certain things, certain processed foods. And then they start to like and enjoy these other foods. Now, again, you got to do this strategic. We can't just sit here and say like, I'm going to eat plain chicken and raw broccoli. It's like, that's not a long-term success plan. You actually built in a reason to quit because no one's going to do that. So yeah, you, can, you, you can, that would make, be horrible. Yeah. You can make healthy food taste really good. So to answer your, you know, the question you just asked, um, I think it depends. Um, I see a lot of people really struggle with the, like going all in to try to like, I'm going to detox or cleanse because they're not doing it from the, they're looking for a quick fix and it's not going to be there. So then they quit and then they go on to the next thing and the next yeah. thing. And it's like, Hey, you got to get off of that train and say like, all right, I'm really going to do this. Like what does the next three months look like? And again, that's hard. It's hard to be a forward thinking person, particularly when you're hammered with all of this nonsensical marketing that promises in seven days you can do X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, for sure. you know, you got to look at your own psychology on that one. 
So somebody that's just wanting to get started, let's say that they're slaying it in many areas of their life, but health and fitness is not one of them. And they want to improve that one. What would you recommend they start with from a uh, movement slash exercise standpoint? And then two, how would you encourage them to, to build a sustainable long-term meal plan or diet solution around, around that? Okay, a lot to unpack there. So I won't probably be able to answer this fully. This would be a conversation if anybody needs to have personally that I could have with them. So um, well, so, so let's pause right there. Yeah, give us the high-level overview, and then we'll, we'll share with people how to, how to contact you if they really want to dive into this. So in general, here's where I think, like, this is the, uh, here's the framework of what I think will get most people to where they want to be, which is relatively lean, feeling good, having energy, not obsessing about their diet or workouts and living a radical life. Um, I think if you could get to the point where you're working out three days a week, okay, three resistance training workouts per week, maybe some weeks there's four, maybe some weeks there's two, but on average, let's call it three. And if you are moving, doing low level activity on most days of the week, again, this should be fun. This should not be boring cardio. And if you are eating unprocessed foods 80% of the time. That gives you enough little leeway when some things come up. There's a birthday party. You get to indulge. You can have a beer here at the game. If you can get to that point, and obviously, like, again, we talk calories, you know, do control your weight. So, like, even within that 80%, like, if you're not losing weight, you got to pull back some of the amount. If you do that, you will likely build a naturally lean physique, um, and again, each one of those areas needs to be optimized, but like, that's the general like framework of what I call the live great lifestyles, right? Like if we can get you to do three resistance trainings, work workouts per week, smart, specific trainings, and we can get you eating 80, 80% of the time, whole unprocessed meals that taste really good by the way, right? Like let's also tie our brain to the fact that like, I'm going to eat really good tasty meals. And then you're going to go move doing something fun on most days. <laughs> like, seems, that seems simple enough. <laughs> yeah. And like, like I said, like how, how crazy is it like to think you're going to go do something fun that you enjoy that makes you feel good <laughs> and eat foods that taste good, that make you feel good. <laughs> like, why would we not do this? And unfortunately, most people go, do something they hate, like I'm going to go get on the treadmill and I'm going to eat foods I dislike that are bland and boring. And what they've done is they've built themselves an out or they go overboard and they're going to work out seven days a week, twice a week or twice a day. And they have built in a, it's like a, they've built in an exit point because no one would blame you for not continuing that because that's not realistic. Like they, you've kind of, you're setting yourself up for failure that way. But yeah, I mean, I just, I have to mention this because you've mentioned the treadmill a couple of times. Have you, did you just hear is an article just recently? Uh, a guy broke the world record for the hundred miler on a treadmill. Did oh, you read did that he? article? No, that's awesome. It's <laughs> like 12 hours and 11 minutes and like 15 seconds on wow. a treadmill. Oh I saw man. Another one. I saw another one where I think it might've been like he did the amount of Everest on his flight of stairs in his house. Oh, so now, and this is something to point out, like those types of things, I'm a big fan of this kind of stuff, but it's for your mind. And this is not where you, so like I, I struggle to like, I like to do certain things that are challenging and push myself, 
But there is a, um, again, this is an incongruency between what is necessary from like a health and fitness standpoint and actually good for your body versus sometimes breaking yourself off physically is the best way to like tap into your mind. But that's not where people who like need to like lose weight, get fit, step into a lifestyle, they don't need to start there. But I guarantee you like, dude, you climb Everest on your staircase, 29,000, like 600 feet on like a up and down on a single staircase. Dude, you've had, you had so many interesting conversations with yourself. You pushed past so many barriers of like when I wanted to quit, like there's value in all of those types of things. There's value again in doing jujitsu when you're getting strangled and you're like, should I tap? No, I'm good. But that's not your starting point. That's not actually even, I wouldn't even call that from a health focus. That's from like a mindset expander, we'll call it. That's definitely a, that's definitely a mental focus, which is probably a, a whole conversation in and of itself totally. uh, on another day for sure. So cool, Luke. Um, hey, where can people get a hold of you? If they want to reach out to you, if they need some help with their health, their fitness, they want to lose some weight, maybe put on some muscle. If they're in their normal lifestyle, they're killing it in so many areas, but maybe just need some help on the, the fitness size. How, how can they get a hold of you? Um, easiest way, check me out on the website, livegreatlifestyle.com. Um, that's also, you know, Instagram and the social media handles, but, uh, if they go there, they can connect with me. The podcast is there. There's some, uh, some contact forms if, if they need some help. And, um, I would encourage anybody, whether it's, you know, with, with myself or, or another qualified coach, um, get some help and solve this because the reality is you're going to be forced to either do it from a, you can do it from a prehab state, like right now where like, you know, things are pretty good or not too bad, or you're going to do it from a rehab state where you're forced to do it because we've got to a point of ill health and overweight and feeling depressed and, and all the bad place. Um, but you're going to be forced to address it at some point. So like I said, the, the prehab or rehab. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, I think we see that in day-to-day living right now, just in society as, as a whole. Oftentimes, I think that we could solve a lot of mental and physical issues if people did it from a prehab standpoint versus being forced to do it on a, on a rehab standpoint. I think a lot of the drugs, quote unquote drugs that are being taken to help people's health could have been solved or could be solved if they would just get out and take three vigorous walks yeah. on a weekly basis. Yeah. And, and like I said, like get, get some support because the reality is if you're doing it right and you're not going to buy into some like bogus little quick fix nonsense that isn't going to get you results. What we really are talking about here is like, we're talking about lifestyle and almost like personality change. And like I talk about it as we're stepping into that greater version of ourselves, and uh, there will be resistance with that change and having a, you know, a Sherpa and someone to guide you along that um, is extremely beneficial. And again, whether it's someone like myself or someone else, um, that accountability piece is huge as you are basically transforming how you are showing up and who are you are being in your world. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, Luke. This has been a, a awesome discussion and you know, probably one of the most critical pieces of our life in general, especially as we kind of, uh, are forced to isolate during, you know, this, this pandemic and, And uh, so this has been great. So I really appreciate you coming on and we will talk to you guys next time. See ya. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. 
And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.